Glory to God. How you doing? Are you happy this morning? Are you ready this morning? Oh, man. Hey, listen. Weren't the Arise kids, weren't they so amazing? Can we just give them one more hand? Oh, man. Listen, I, I, it hit me. Listen, whenever our Arise children are doing something, singing something, releasing something, you should pay close attention. Because, see, the Bible says unless we become like a little child, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. So when they're saying something, doing something, leading something, we got to pay close attention because we're actually growing up to become like them. Amen. It's a childlike faith. Childlike wonder. Oh, man. It's the king. He's here. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I already feel like I could just fly. And I might. Jesus is alive. And I just want to remind you of something this morning. Like we're celebrating the fact that but he's alive every day. Listen, the cross of Jesus is just where it started. It's not where it ended. Amen? But watch. This is so cool. Because in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a crucifixion. Right? Like, like in order for Jesus to be raised from the grave, he had to sacrifice his life. There was, this, there was a sacrifice that had to be made, a price that had to be paid. And it could only come from one person, and his name is Jesus. See, he was without any fault, no blame. He was sinless, not sinful. Literally, there was holy blood running through his veins. Are you with me? Because he never made a mistake. He never sinned. He was the only one that could pay the price for you and I. But the cross is just where it started. Three days later, he came busting up out of the grave so he could live and dwell in you and I so that we could carry him with us everywhere we go. Ephesians 3.17 says this. It says, Christ Jesus dwells in our hearts. You know, I don't know about you, but that still messes me up. I'll never get over that. Do you understand, like, we carry the Savior of the world. Like, I don't know if we get it. We don't get it yet. We carry the King of the universe. We carry healing for every sickness. The cure for every disease. Peace for every troubled mind. Hope for every hopeless situation. The solution to every problem in his name is Jesus. He's in us, y'all. The question is, is what are we doing with him? What are we doing with him? And we got to turn him loose. He's alive. And because Jesus is alive, that means we get to be fully alive. Because the Bible says it's no longer we that lives, but it's Christ that lives inside of us. Oh, listen, this is amazing. Galatians 2.20. It says that we were crucified with Christ, right? We were crucified with him, and now it's no longer we that lives, but it's he that lives inside of us. This is the reason that we no longer have to pray for revival. Are you with me? Jesus doesn't need to be revived. He's already alive. Surely he's alive, living on the inside, roaring like a lion. 
Yeah, come on. Listen, because revival is not something. Revival is someone. His name is Jesus. And Jesus lives in us. So everywhere we go, we carry revival with us. So if you want to start seeing revival in your life, turn him loose. Open up, let the lion out. See, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And Christ through us is that hope made manifest everywhere we go. We carry the Savior of the world. We were crucified with him. And it's now it's no longer we that lives, but he that lives inside of us. Let's take it a step further. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says we were also raised with him. And seated with him in the heavenly places. So, so check this out. When you believe in Jesus with your heart, you are crucified with him. Your old self and your sin nature. And then it says we're raised with him and seated with him. So it means this. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is just as much about us as it is about him. Some of you are unsure about that. Because you're like, this is Jesus' day. And it is. But he's looking at us going, this is your day. Because everything I did was for you. The crucifixion and the resurrection is just as much about us as it is about him. Because everything God did was on our behalf. See, everything changes when you realize, man, that God actually chose you before you chose him. See, everything changes, church, when we realize that we belong before we even begin to believe. Everything changes when we realize that we're not just trying to get some with, with God. He's already got us. Everything changes when we realize, man, that we didn't find him. He actually found us. Everything changes when we believe that he actually loves us and he's for us. Everything changes when we begin to realize that he's not out to get us. He's here to help us. So he sent his son Jesus to us to be crucified and resurrected so that we could have life. Isn't this amazing, you guys? The crucifixion and the resurrection is all about us. Just as much as it is about him. Because everything that God did was on our behalf. It says, for God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to us. So everything. This is the father that we have. This is the love that he loves us with. Uh, just for a few minutes this morning, I, I just want to simply share the gospel with you over the next few minutes. And here's the gospel. It's, it's so simple, but it's the most powerful thing you could ever believe and receive. It's really simple. It's Christ was crucified for you. That's the gospel. And the reason that Christ was crucified for you is because the Father loves you. And the result of Christ crucified that came from a Father that loves you, the result of that is a life of real freedom. Specifically this morning, as I talk about the gospel, I want to pinpoint the fact that you and I get to be free. I want to go after freedom this morning. You should be so excited right now. Because no one leaves this building without realizing, believing, and receiving that you've been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. Christ is crucified because the Father loves us, and the result is that you and I get to be free.
Like, I'm serious. Like, like free from everything of our past. Like, no looking back. But looking forward, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Like, free from every sin and every mistake. Like, like your sins get to be forgiven, they get to be forgotten, and you get to be free. Like, no more guilt. Like, no more shame. Child of God, you took on a new name, and that name is victory. You should be really happy this morning because today you get to walk out of here victorious because everything Jesus did was on your behalf. This is the gospel. Freedom. Like, and then not only do your sins and mistakes get to be forgiven and forgotten, you get to be free, but you also get to be free from you so that you could be all about him. Because when you become all about him, you realize that he's actually all about you. And he wants to take you into even more freedom as a son or daughter living in the kingdom. I want it. How many of you know that there's more? Some people are going, man, I've been set free. You ain't seen freedom yet. There's more. In the kingdom of God. Are you with me? I can't stop shaking. The king is in the building, y'all. Did you know that the blood of Jesus is not dried up? It's still flowing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blood this morning, listen to me, the blood of Jesus is enough. It's like 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where's the Holy Spirit? Oh, the Spirit's in us. The Spirit's on us. And one of the roles of the Spirit is to make sure that we realize that we've truly been forgiven. That the blood of Jesus is enough. And then what comes with that is we begin to be set free. We begin to live a life of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Uh, John 8, 36 says, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So either the Son has set you free or he hasn't. And the Bible says that he has, so you get to be free. Thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Five one says, it is for freedom that you've been set free. See, see look, I once was lost, uh, Jesus found me. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was held captive, but now I've been set free. This is our story. This is you and I. Everybody in this room this morning, you get to pick up your head and heart and walk in freedom. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to to start with this, though. The result of God's love that sent Jesus to be crucified is freedom. But let's begin with God's love. I, I, I want you to see just how much the Father loves you. God loves you. Look, here's what it says in the Scripture. In Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, Paul says, I pray that you would understand how deep and how wide the love of the Father is. You remember that song as a kid growing up? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain. You know what the fountain is? Yes! Listen, listen, and Paul, Paul is saying this. This fountain never runs dry. It never runs out. It continues to flow through the Spirit, whoever said that. It's the love of the Father that never runs out. There's always more where that came from. 
It's so deep and it's so wide. The next sentence, Paul says, but you'll never truly be able to comprehend it. See, that's the problem. That's the problem is we spend so much of our day and we have such a hard time like really believing that God loves us and really receiving that we've been forgiven because we're trying to understand his love with our brain. And Paul says you'll never be able to understand it with your brain. Stop trying to comprehend it. Just believe it, receive it, and let it mark you. Look at me, church. There's a difference between knowing that God loves you and actually receiving his love. See, this is why a lot of people don't read the Bible. They, because they go, I don't understand the Bible. You're trying to understand the Bible with your brain. As opposed to opening up and being hungry for an encounter with him. You can't comprehend God, but you get the benefit of believing him, receiving him. And when you do, his love will mark you, it'll mold you, it'll shape you, it'll change you, and it'll possess you in such a way that you can't help but give it away everywhere you go. Oh, it's a fountain. Stop trying to comprehend it. Just receive it and let it mark you forever. Are you with me this morning? Here's one of my favorite scriptures, and I mean it this time. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says that God loves us with a great love. Like not just any kind of love, but with a great love. And if you look up what that word love means in that particular scripture, it's an agape love. He loves you with a great agape love. And agape love has a threefold definition. The first definition of this great agape love is, is that God's love is unconditional. Which means there's no strings attached and there's always more where that came from. Which means God is always ready and willing to meet you right where you are. No matter what you've done. Because his love is unconditional. He doesn't see you for what you have or haven't done. He sees you for who you really are. And because he loves who you really are, he sent his son Jesus to do what you can never do. This is the unconditional love of the Father. He is a God of second chances and third chances and millions of chances. This is the reality of his love. And we get to believe it, receive it. It's unconditional. The second part of this agape love is this. It's that God loves you not because he has to. He loves you because he chooses you. You, you got to get this. This goes back to everything changes when we realize that he chose us before we chose him. This goes back to this revelation that the crucifixion and resurrection is just as much about us as it is about him. See, today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, but he's in this room celebrating the fact that you get to be alive. Because everything he did was on our behalf. So this second part of this agape love is I don't have to love you because I'm God. I choose to love you because you're so valuable to me. You are so valuable to the Father that he gave up his one and only son so that we could become his sons and daughters. This is the great agape love. You are valuable. You are actually priceless because he paid the ultimate price. Amen. The third part of this agape love is this, and this is, really gets me. Not that the others don't. <laughs> it's, it's that I will never seek anything other than the highest good for your life. This is the great agape love. I will never seek anything other than the highest good for you because he's such a good father. 
This reminds me, you remember the scripture, every good and perfect thing comes from him. Sarah Kushner, a few Wednesday nights ago, she said, God is absolutely good. Every good and perfect thing comes from him, which reminds me that if you and I are faced with something bad or a tough circumstance or situation, because he only seeks the highest good, it can't be from him. But because he is so good, he meets us where we are in the midst of it, and he becomes the source of our healing because he's such a good father. He only seeks the highest good, which also reminds me, this is the reason that he not only loves you so much that he forgives you of your sins, he loves you so much that he convicts you of your sins. That's how good he is. He not only loves you that he forgives you, he loves you so much that he he convicts you of your sins. Because he loves you. That means if you make a mistake, the Spirit does a little check in your heart. Wait a minute, you're headed down the wide path that leads to destruction. Come back over here. What God has for you is so much better because he's such a good father. This is the great agape love of God. It's unconditional. He chooses you because you're so valuable. And he never seeks anything other than the highest good for your life. I, I just so much think that God wants you to know how valuable you are this morning. When you realize how valuable you are, you'll actually allow yourself to receive what Jesus paid for you to have. You'll believe that you're worth it. If we could get that. And some people go, man, I don't know how, that, I don't know how valuable I am. I, or, or you would ask the question, why am I so valuable? How am I so valuable? I've, had pe- I've talked with people before and they go, man, my whole life, my, my parents or my family, or my fa- they've told me I'm a mistake. My whole life. How am I so valuable? Some people will go, man, my mom and dad didn't even want me. Some people, I've heard this story. Some people go, man, my mom tried to abort me when I was in her womb. How is my life that valuable? I've been told my whole life I'm a mistake, and I'm here to tell you this morning, God doesn't make mistakes. Woo! See, the Bible says in Psalms 139 that he's the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. And then he takes a step back and says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, no matter how you got here, you came from him. Which means you have a purpose and God has a plan for your life. There's no mistakes with God. Remember, every good and perfect thing comes from Him. You came from Him. No matter how you got here. Which also just reminds me that, you know, God not only loves you, He really likes you. Like, He actually thinks you're awesome. Which also reminds me that, you know, He gave you your own unique gifts, talents, and abilities. There's no one quite like you. See, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, it says that he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, and he set you apart. Woo! Ephesians 2, 10 says you are his masterpiece, his handiwork, his poem. James 1, 18 says you are his prized possession. You get to represent him in ways that no one else can because there's no one quite like you. God thinks you're absolutely amazing. Somebody say, I'm awesome. Because Jesus says you're awesome. Isn't this amazing? This is the gospel. And it all begins with Christ crucified for you. Some people go, man, there's no way that I'm that valuable because of all the things that I've done. Or you might say this. I understand God loves me, but there's no way that he feels the same way about me. 
as he used to because of this mistake or that mistake. I've done some really big things. Why don't we categorize sin? It's like there's a big sin. Well, that's a small sin. Sin is sin to sin. Like it's all wrong. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need God's grace. And no matter how big or how small you think the sin is, God's grace is enough. Amen. I'm here with good news this morning. The blood of Jesus is enough. We got to stop categorizing. Well, that, I made some big mistakes. Man, there's nothing that you can do that compares to what Jesus did on the cross. See, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8 that God's grace covers a multitude of sins. In Romans 5, 9, it says, or 5, 20, it says, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. That means if you make a mistake, grace stands over the top of it and says, you'll never measure up to me. There's nothing you can do that's greater than what Jesus did. Isn't this amazing? The blood of Jesus is enough. He's a lover. He's a lover. It's a great love. It's an agape love. It's so deep. It's so wide. You'll never be able to comprehend it. Stop trying to understand it. Believe it, receive it, and let it be yours for an eternity. I I, want to just take a moment, and you can go ahead and get in receive mode. I want to take a moment, man, and just begin to share some scripture over you. I want you to know just how amazing God's grace is, how powerful the blood of Jesus is, and how free you get to be because of it. So just go ahead and get in receive mode. I'm just going to start spitting scriptures, and you just let the grace of God just begin to wash over you. I'm going to start sharing things. You just let, let there be a fresh baptism of the blood of Jesus this morning. Psalms 32.2, it says, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Church, do you understand what that means? That means if you make a mistake, God doesn't count it against you. If you make a mistake, God doesn't like write it on your record book. There's only one word written on your record book, and that word is victory. Because the blood of Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. Blessed is the one who sinned. The Lord does not count against you. Psalms 103.12 says, He cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Ow! Hey, did you know if you start traveling east and you continue to travel east, you'll never end up going west? If you start going east and you're always going east, you'll never circle back around west. You'll never, ever come back around and let those sins haunt you ever again. Amen. That's what the Bible's saying. I've sent your sins so far east that they'll never come back around to haunt you. Hallelujah. This is the blood of Jesus, man. In 1 John 1, 7, it says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. See, this morning, all you have to do is stop and go, Jesus, I ask you for, I thank you for, and receive forgiveness. Thank you for your blood. And then, boom. Something begins to happen in your heart. You can receive real freedom this morning. Hallelujah. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 9, it says that the blood of Jesus justifies you from all your sins, which means it's just as if it never happened, church. Y'all, this is amazing. 
so people look back on, on their life and they talk about, you know, I did this and I've done that. But according to the blood of Jesus, you didn't do any of those things. See, this, some of you, man, you're dwelling on a mistake you made last week. You're dwelling on a mistake you made three years ago. I'm telling you right now, it has been casted as far as the east is from the west. Never to come back to haunt you ever again. I'm telling you, man, like, like you've been justified. Like according to the blood, it really didn't happen. And you're going, no, it really did happen. No, something else happened. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus hung on a cross. And he shed his precious, powerful blood for you. Watch, let's take this a step further. Not only do your sins get to be forgiven, they get to be forgotten. In John chapter 1, verse 29, uh, John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan River. Go there with me for just a second. He's standing in the Jordan River, and he looks up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, that was such a huge deal back then because before Jesus, there was no taking away of sin. There was just the covering or the atonement for sin. In the Old Testament, if you sinned, you had to find an innocent animal and shed its blood. And then that blood would just cover or atone but not take away. You see the difference? Ron Harbonke shares this amazing story. He says, you got this big dining room table at your house that you eat your meals on, right? You got this big dining room table, and on the table there is a spot or a blemish or a stain. And so you have everybody to come over for Thanksgiving dinner. And you, you're going to host Thanksgiving dinner. And so here's what you say. You say, well, I, before they get here, I'm going to put this white linen tablecloth to cover this stain. And so you share your meal. They go home, and then what do you do? You pull the tablecloth off, and what's still there? The stain, the blemish. But John the Baptist goes, behold, the ultimate lamb who comes not to cover or atone, but to take away the sin of the world. Justified, forgiven, forgotten. Like it never happened. Are you ready to be free this morning? In Hebrews 8.12, it says he forgives your sins and remembers them no more. See, some of you are still dwelling on a mistake and God's got no recollection of. I used to do that. I would sit in that mistake and feel so bad and so guilty. And God's over here and going, dude, the blood of Jesus is so good. You've asked for forgiveness. That's enough. You're remembering something that I got no recollection of. So you might ask the question, man, if we've been forgiven and God doesn't remember it anymore, how can God help us and teach us to learn from it? Because he's God. He knows you well enough to know what needs to be adjusted in your life. He meets you where you are and forgives you. And then he begins to adjust and prune and correct so that we can bear fruit in every area of our life. This is the agape love of the Father. Are you happy this morning? Are you beginning to experience freedom this morning? The blood is enough. See, the enemy does not want you to think that you can truly be forgiven. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he trying to steal? He's trying to rob you from what Jesus paid for you to have. He, more than anything, does not want you to think that you've been truly forgiven. He wants you to wallow in guilt, shame, condemnation. He wants you to look back. He wants you to look to the right or to the left. Because, see, when we realize that we've truly been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, something begins to happen in our heart. 
when we truly receive forgiveness and go, man, Jesus, thank you for your blood. I'm not trying to comprehend it. I just believe it and receive it. Something begins to happen inside of our heart. We begin to feel free. See, God works from the inside out, and the enemy's trying to get you from the outside in. And I'm telling you, the devil's already been defeated. That's a stranger's voice that you pay no attention to. Woo! We listen to the shepherd's voice. The blood of Jesus is enough. Because what you realize, man, man, I'm really free from this thing. Like it's, it's like I never did it before. This is so amazing. You begin to realize the reason I'm free is because Jesus loves me. And he loves me so much that he was crucified for me. And if he loves me and was crucified for me, he must be somebody that I can trust. And then all of a sudden I realize that he must have my best interest in mind. And all of a sudden I don't have to obey him. I want to obey him. And all of a sudden he leads me into more freedom. And all of a sudden I'm partnering with him to give his freedom away everywhere I go. But see, the enemy, the enemy doesn't want you to know that you're forgiven because once you're set free, it's over. Once you're set free, you're running with the king forever. Freedom. 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 The blood of Jesus. No looking back. No more guilt. No more shame. Child of God, you've received a new name. Victory is yours. Everything you did was on your behalf. You get to pick up your head and heart and be in freedom today. You get to go before the Father. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's all you got to do. Jesus, I confess my sins. I come into agreement with your blood, and I receive what you pay for me to have. Boom. Watch freedom begin to take place in your heart. Now, lastly, but certainly not least, our response to this freedom is a focus, attention, and affection on the one who set us free. Grace is so amazing, but it doesn't give you the green light to do whatever you want to do. God's grace empowers you and I to live a righteous life. Oh, He loves me so much that he forgives me. He also loves me so much that he convicts me so I can experience the abundant life that Jesus paid for me to have because what he has for me is so much better than what the world could offer me. Oh, man. There's a difference between being sin conscious and love conscious. Oh, remember, the cross doesn't just reveal how sinful you are. It reveals how in love the Father is with you. See, God doesn't hate sin because sin's so bad. He hates sin because it keeps you and I from experiencing life the way he created for us to. So when I'm sin conscious and trying not to mess up, that's when I begin to compromise the most because I begin to do it within my own strength. But when I'm love conscious and I'm focused on the one who set me free, sin becomes few and far between. Freedom. It is for freedom that you've been set free. If you go, go on and keep reading in Galatians 5.13, it says, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Run with the king. Run with him with a reckless abandonment. Okay. I, I have written. Is everybody okay? Is the blood of Jesus enough for you today? Oh, freedom. I have written a spoken word. I I love spoken word. I love poetry. I love the things that rhyme. But more than anything, I'm in love with Jesus. And so every spoken word that I write, it's about him. It's about the king. It's about his blood. It's about.
resurrection. It's about the crucifixion. It's about the Father that loves us. And so about four or so years ago, I wrote this spoken word, and I've never really shared it. I've probably shared bits and pieces of it. I, I shared some of it while I was preaching today. But I think over the past four or five years or so, I'll get it out every once in a while and just add to it or take away from it. This week I added some to it, but I felt led to share it with you this morning. It's, it's about God's grace. God's grace seems too good to be true, but he's too good for it not to be true. And so as I share this spoken word, I just, just let his grace wash over you. Because it's not going to be my words, it's going to be his. I think one of my favorite scriptures... Uh, is Matthew 10, 21. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, oh, by the way, it's not going to be you that's doing the speaking. It's going to be the Spirit of the Father through you. Come on, man. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul says, my preaching was not done with wise and persuasive words, but by the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So I, I just encourage you, man, to just, just let the blood of Jesus wash over you this morning. Just, just receive a fresh baptism as I share this. Just let the grace of God come and overwhelm you this morning and just receive forgiveness and just receive freedom. Now let me say this too. The song that I've chosen to do it with is probably a little different than I would choose with other spoken words. So this is not a solemn spoken word. This is a celebratory spoken word about God's grace his love, and the crucifixion for us. So I give you permission to move your body as I share this. And as you receive this, I say that it's okay for you to sway. I give you permission to bob your head kind of up and down as you receive the freedom of Jesus Christ this morning. Is everybody okay with that? I almost feel like we should all just stand up. Can we do that? Okay. I'm sweating. Okay, Pops, you can go ahead. God's grace, it gets twisted. It gets turned. It often becomes something we have to unlearn. Some say we have to fight and earn God's love. Others say you can do whatever you want and God's grace will cover it however you see fit. But I'm telling you, church, that's far from legit. <laughs> Both ways are twisted. Somewhere down the line, we've missed it. Grace is neither a principle nor a concept. It's nothing except a person and his name is Jesus. His grace is so good, there's nothing like it, so don't fight it. Unmerited favor, bringing you a new flavor that you've never tasted. You're no longer under the law. Don't let your time be wasted. Every sin and mistake, cast it as far as the east is from the west. Receiving Jesus, nothing less than the best. 
No more guilt. No more shame. Child of God, you took on a new name, and that name is victory. So pick up your head and heart and walk in freedom. Go and live a life exploring the kingdom. He made a new way for a new day for your sake and never going to be the same in Jesus' name. You are a new creation, a new sensation living inside of you. Believe it. It's true. Righteous, pure, and holy are you. You are his inheritance, his poem. You are his prized possession. Hey, anointed one, the kingdom is in session. No longer you that lives, but Jesus inside of you, making it true that you can do the same things he did, even greater. The world is hungry for a liberator, a world changer you were created to be. Extraordinary things you were meant to see. Holy Spirit power in you to heal, save, and set free. This is God's grace. The blood of Jesus shed for you so you can be free and brand new. Forgiven and forgotten is your past. He empowers you for the task to say yes to him and start a fire in this world that will last. So rise up, sons and daughters. You've got a new story to share. Jesus is king. It's time to make the whole world aware. This is God's grace. Come on, freedom in the room. Freedom in the room. Freedom in the room. Come on, somebody give me one of these. Your hand goes, somebody give me one of these. Somebody give me one of these. The blood of Jesus shed for you so you could be free and brand new. This morning, church, just want you to put your hands out in front of you. I'm going to pray for you. Pops, you can go ahead and play that next one, too. Listen, I'm going to pray, and then you're going to be dismissed. But if this morning, if you're here, and you truly need freedom this morning, there's something that you're dwelling on from your past or dealing with, man. I, myself, I'm going to be here to pray for you. The faithful will hang around and pray for you. Don't rush out to Easter lunch. This is way more important. If there's something you're dealing with or struggling with, man, don't leave without letting someone pray for you. The blood of Jesus wants to set you free this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus yet as your personal Lord and Savior, salvation is available. Acts 2.22 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 10 says, if you believe in Jesus with your heart and you confess him with your mouth, you shall be saved. If you need salvation, it's available. If you need to recommit your life, man, just get on your face and say, Jesus, I give you everything. Just right now. Just, I give you everything, Jesus. If you need healing in your body this morning, man, just receive it right now. Because the blood of Jesus also was paid for that. He won the victory over everything. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the honor, the glory, and praise for this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you were crucified and resurrected on our behalf. 
And right now, we receive everything that you paid for us to have. We receive forgiveness of all of our sins and mistakes of the past. No more looking back, but we look forward. We pick up our head and heart, and we walk in freedom from this place this morning. And we respond to this freedom by running with you, Jesus, because we believe that what you have for us is so powerful. You want to lead us into even more freedom. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, continue to, to, to flow in this place. Meet every person where they are. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, all God people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you.